Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder are here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. Around the world on Arut Sheva, Israel National News slash radio. And Phil, for the first time in 25 years, we have a Democrat elected in the state of Alabama. You know, more importantly than that, the last Democrat that was elected in the state of Alabama actually switched. Became a Republican. Became a Republican because, you know, you just couldn't hold on as a Democrat. It was, I mean, you know, earthquake. Earthquake's not the word. I mean, I, I was, I was watching it in, in, in a place with a crowd. In a secure room. It erupted. I mean, it literally, because you know, as much as the race was going to be close, I think most people believe. And I listened to sort of MSNBC and I watched MSNBC and Fox News and sort of went back and forth because you want to see the, the sort of the, the prognostications and the predictions and so on throughout the day. And I think most people thought that regardless of how close it was going to be, ultimately Roy Moore was going to pull it out. As sad as yeah, that sounds. Yeah, just because of the numbers of, you know, because of Republicans being so dominant in Alabama. And so I was already preparing my, okay, even if Roy Moore loses, excuse me, even if Roy Moore wins, here's what I'm going to say. It was close and even close as a victory for the Democrats. I mean, I really was preparing that. I know that sounds... We've, we've heard that story. We heard that in Georgia. We've heard they keep hearing that story that close is okay for Democrats. Yeah, but you know what? Here's, I, I think there. this was sent uh, an earthquake-sized tremor uh, down uh, through Washington and, and all across the country. I mean, this is, you know, we have talked about bellwether races, right? Is this a bellwether race? Is this a bellwether race? I think you and I both agreed three weeks ago that Virginia, New Jersey sort of races were like the first of like the actual bellwether states. What's sort of the Trump effect? I think Virginia more than New Jersey, but yeah. Yeah, no, 100%, but it was sort of the same day, and so I mentioned it, but but that was sort of the first like the Trump effect and how's that going to impact real statewide elections, and we saw what happened, and we saw it in certain races here in New York, right? We saw it in the from the town election all the way up to the statewide elections in Virginia. Yesterday was was that times 10. I mean, because we're not talking about a purple state, right? Turning a purple state blue is one thing. Turning a deep, deep red state blue is something completely, completely different. And I think every member of Congress, every Republican member of Congress had to look at this yesterday and say, Trump, when he's polling at 33%, is the, are these the coattails that I'm going to ride? Now, here's what's so fascinating about it. It works for Donald Trump, right? It works for him. There's only one Donald Trump. And that's it. That's exactly the point. No one else could be Donald Trump. And, and this, I think, for Democrats was that yesterday was a, a very telling day about what I think most people predict what 2018 is going to look like. So I'm going to agree and disagree with you. I, I agree that this was an earthquake. This was just a, a shocking uh, prediction because Donald Trump, the president, had carried Alabama, I think, by 28 points or something. And no Democrat has really gotten close except... In 2014, for the Democrat who ran for Supreme Court justice against Roy Moore, that was actually only 52-48. But I'm going to disagree because Roy Moore was a uniquely flawed candidate. I mean, there isn't anybody. He started off as a flawed candidate. He started off as a, a, a chief justice of the Supreme Court who had been impeached and removed from office twice. He has been a he said some things that have been incredibly controversial. And then you have the whole issue with potential sexual misconduct and it just ad nauseum. You know, but, but having said that, the one striking thing here is that you said that for Republicans, they have to say is once again, they have done incredibly poorly in the suburbs and even in Southern suburbs, like in Alabama, they've done incredibly poorly. Number two is from exit polls. 
the president is running 49-49 as far as popular and popular in Alabama, a state that he ran, that he carried by close to 30 points. It's that in and of itself, as you said, should Republicans run with him in the midterms or should they be running against him or should they be running just totally away from him? That is a big problem that the all... All those running for Senate and all the House members who are Republicans have to worry about in the midterms, which are, uh, you know, which are close at hand. And, and that's I mean, think about that. I mean, that's a, a, a pretty steep downturn. I mean, you know, falling 28 points to go to a 49, 49 in literally under a year. And, and why is that? And when you think about what's happened over the year and whether whether it was Charlottesville or whether it was the fail of repeal and replace of Obamacare, whether it was the slow moving nature of the tax bill or the fact that the tax bill, quite frankly, whether the Republicans and or President Trump thinks that think that this is going to be it, it's polling pretty bad. It's actually sort of amongst Americans is polling really, really poorly. And so I'm not convinced that, you know, whether they get the tax bill or done or not this year, that that's going to be it. But this is, like I said, a catastrophic fall from where you swept a state like Alabama by 20 more than 25 points to now be sort of neck and neck. And of course, like this, look, you know, what troubles me is that two days ago, nobody was talking about Roy Moore being a flawed candidate. You couldn't find any Republican. Nobody talk. was talking about Roy Moore. The Democrats were talking about it. The Democrats oh, were, on. of course, talking about wait, how, wait, wait, how he's... He wait, 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 hold on. No, Republicans wanted him out of the race. Repu- Guess what? The only Republican who didn't want him out of the race, okay, were two Republicans who didn't want him out of the race. Steve Bannon and President Trump. Excuse okay? me. And, and so Mitch McConnell won him out of the race. Cory Gardner won him out of the race. And Richard yet, Shelby got on. on national TV, the senior senator, Richard Shelby got on and said, I did not vote for Roy Moore. I couldn't vote yeah, for Roy Richard Moore. Richard Shelby is the only one. He is the only one. The Mitch only McConnell, one? Yeah, Mitch McConnell didn't say a word, and the Republican National Committee put money into the race. Yeah, How but, much money did they put the, into the race? But the, but the so, Senate Republicans so, did not. And this, this the idea, Senate Republicans pulled out of the race weeks ago, and they were done. They never came back in. Let, let's be clear, right? When, when the, the news RNC started breaking, is controlled by the president. About five or six weeks ago, when the news started to break, and the, the accusers kept came in and, and started with the yearbook, and then the mall, and then... And then the other allegations, I don't remember what the total number, 13, 14 allegations that continue to Too pile. Too many. Right? That continue to pile on. So immediately the, 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 the mainstream Republicans backed off, right? And there was talk of, well, we should maybe do a write-in candidate. Maybe we should find some other mechanism. There was even talk of delaying the election. Yeah, they tried. Right? There was, there governor was, wouldn't do it. The governor absolutely wouldn't do it. They wouldn't have it. And then all of a sudden the Republicans said, hey, wait a second. You know, if we're going to pass tax reform, if we're going to actually do anything, we, that vote could be the difference, right? Because when you have Senator Flake, who you don't know what's going to happen, or Senator Corker, you don't know what he's going to do, or John McCain, you don't know what he's going to do. So, so one vote could make all the difference. The Republicans said, you know what? We'd rather have this vote, even if it's Roy Moore, a flawed candidate, we'd rather have him win. Now, you're right. I only heard that from the president. Mitch I have McConnell to be honest. Mitch McConnell was in a bad place. I, I didn't hear other Republicans saying that. Mitch McConnell would have been in a bad place. Many of the Republicans that you asked said that we're going to have to deal with him if he gets here. Uh, and that's it. I didn't hear any Republicans in Washington. In fact, that was kind of what Roy Moore was running against. He had that outsider's mentality. He was saying, don't tell us you know, from out of state not to do it. That's actually thought why Richard Shelby was very significant because here was an Alabama guy telling people, don't vote for Roy Moore. Uh, but having said that, it's you know a couple things that still, I think, still caused Republicans to 
vote Republican. Now, clearly, a lot of Republicans stayed home. If you looked at Republican areas, the turnout was was underwhelming. If you look at Democratic areas, meaning um, cities or you know, to, uh, Birmingham area, Montgomery area, Huntsville, Mobile, as well as just, uh, black uh, Af- majority African American counties, the turnout was significant. That was actually unexpected. A lot of there was this big talk about whether African Americans were going to come out and vote in this special election. Historically, they hadn't. They had come out for Obama. They did a big job. The, the Dem- Democratic National Committee and others, other groups were in there, NAACP were in there trying to juice up the African-American turnout. That actually worked. But I do think there's no question that a lot of Republicans did decided they couldn't, you know, maybe in 2016, some of them, they didn't love they obviously didn't love the president because his approval ratings are not particularly good. They held their nose. They voted for Donald Trump. A lot of them doesn't seem like they were able to hold their nose and vote for Roy Moore. You know, Roy Moore was just an incredibly flawed person. And the fact that he was nominated, the fact that Bannon continued to promote him and somehow sucked the president in, everybody told Trump, don't go, don't do it, don't do not do it. I mean, clearly everybody, there was nobody out there with him on this. Yeah, look, you're not going to get an argument from me. I was, I've been saying that he's a flawed candidate and, and that we should put the pressure on him. You know, it's sort of... We talked about Al Franken last week, right? The thought that Al Franken was was forced out of office, whether you think he shouldn't have, you didn't think he, he should, right? Once he did that, it no, kind I just of, thought politically it was a mistake. Look, it, it, that's something that, that we maybe we'll have time to debate. You know whether he should have or he shouldn't have. But the bottom line is, is that I mean, the man called for an ethics investigation against himself, so let the investigation run. And so, uh, that, that's but, all. Course, that's all I'm saying. That was we're my coming position. to a place in society. Not so, that I. That so I how can, do you then? So how do you then sort of, you know, for Roy Moore to then come into office, or as even as a candidate, for him to stay in office? I mean, think about where we are as a society, right? Where somebody like that, it just doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter what you're accused of. It does. And by the way, as we mentioned, he was thrown off the bench twice. Yes. Thrown off. So it's not even like accusations or. Like that alone well, Roy, should Roy disqualify Moore, him. I mean, Roy Moore had just incredibly stunning. And forget about. I mean, I'm not going to forget about it, but let's take we can take into account the sexual misconduct and 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 dating teenagers, and just as grotesque and insane as that sounds. But this is a man who also said that I would have preferred that we only had the first ten amendments to the Constitution. Right. Meaning, he doesn't really want women's women to rights, vote. Women to vote. He also said that society was better during slavery because the family stayed together. Another insane statement. He also said that Muslims shouldn't be allowed to serve in the, that you shouldn't be able to uh, take an oath on the Quran. So you shouldn't be able to serve in the Congress. Um, I don't know what that says. His wife also got on TV, strangely enough, and talked about (laughs) how don't accuse of anti-Semitism because we have a Jew lawyer. And we have other Jews that we're friends with. There's a, a couple and, of videos. A couple of videos I want to just talk about. The CNN video where where Roy Moore's spokesman sort of got up to explain the whole why, why Muslims should be disqualified, and he he says, well, because he can't, you know, he can't swear oath on a Bible. And so I think it was Jake Tapper who said, well, you know, you don't have. There's nothing in the law that requires you to swear on a Christian Bible. If you're Jewish, you could swear on a Jewish Bible. If you're Muslim, you could swear on a Quran, right? And it was just silence. His spokesman had nothing to say because that's the truth. Because it's, it's it just because the claim is absurd to be absolutely with. absurd, absolutely absurd. And and to say, I mean, the age old, you know, I can't, you know, I I can't be anti-Semitic because my best friend's a Jew. It, it's cringeworthy. My best friend is a Jew lawyer. It's it's absolutely cringeworthy. It's, it 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 really is, and it just shows. I mean, I think. Look, I'll leave it to Charles Barkley. He said it best. <laughs> 
I mean, seriously. Who Char- thought we would be talking Charles, about Charles Barkley on our Sh- show? Sir Charles Barkley got out, you know, the night before the elections and, and basically said, urged Alabama residents to say, at some point, stop looking like idiots to the nation and draw a line in the sand by refusing to send Roy Moore to the Senate. So, you know, it, it's and, and that's basically it. I mean, how many times can this guy make Alabama, I mean, if you think about it, a state that has issues of poverty, has issues of education, all kinds of issues up and down, and he somehow he has no, doesn't talk about any of those issues, any issues important to the country, he's still stuck in, I mean, the guy's stuck in a time warp. I mean, he's, he's well, whatever. He doesn't exactly, he doesn't exactly represent the party well. He doesn't represent the state of Alabama well. I don't think he represents himself well, and the uh, you know, and thankfully he lost. I say that as a Republican. Thankfully he lost. This is a much, from my point of view, is a better outcome for Republicans. I think Roy Moore would have been a tremendous liability. However, now that he lost, you have to contend with the fact that the Senate, the just by virtue of math, is potentially vulnerable in 2018 because, as I've said before. I think that Nevada and Arizona right now are big problems for the Republicans. And, you know, I don't know that the Democrats can hold all their seats in states like West Virginia, which is in states like uh, uh, Missouri, in uh, a number of states that are in Montana that are very red. But we'll have to see. I will say that Democrats are encouraged. I mean, I don't have to tell you that. Of course they should be encouraged. encouraged. They picked up a seat in in, Alabama. Two months ago. There's no calculus. If you said a year ago that I would have a... There is no way anybody would say that a Democrat would ever be elected in Alabama. And so let's talk about something that you and I know all too well about, right? Everybody talks about the strategy flawed candidate. At the end of the day, this was about what we call GOTV, right? Getting out the vote, right? Turnout. Turnout, 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 turnout. I think there was over 1.2 million votes who turned out, uh, voters who turned out in this election. Well, they were expecting 25% turnout. They got... 40 percent turnout and you and i and we've worked campaigns i mean you don't get 40 percent in a special election that's correct a special election in december right you know with nothing else going on it is absolutely uh, amazing and if i want to turn our attention for a moment to post uh the announcement post last night's uh, closing of the polls and the announcement that doug jones won and this was something that you know we usually have very negative things to say about the social media use of our president right but the tweet that the president put out last night i actually took a you know a screenshot of it and sent it to you know sort of my conservative friend chats and said hey guys you know credit to the president where credit is due this was actually a very it was a very good di- very dignified very dignified it was it was the right thing to do it was something that you're just not used to and the tweet was you know congratulations Doug Jones on a hard fought victory and and sort of goes on and on but it was a, just a, <coughs> it was the right thing to do very dignified um, and I was like wow okay maybe he's humbled you know this is sort of the first sign that okay you know we went one way we made you know we were wrong we lost and so now let's move on only to wake up this morning and and all of a sudden you're you're back to the donald trump that i think you and i are used to and and it said the reason i originally endorsed luther strange and his numbers went up mightily okay? mightily mightily which but I he didn't win he didn't win but his numbers clearly went up mightily how do you predict that how do you say that i don't know but the president seems to know that um, is that I said Roy Moore will not be able to win the general election. If the president believed a week ago that that, that Roy Moore wasn't winning the general, why do you go all in? Why do you go all in? Why do you do a, why do you go a to Robocola? Pensacola? Why do you go to Pensacola? And and the president says I was right. Roy worked hard, yeah. but the deck was stacked against him. You know what was stacked against him? Steve Bannon was stacked. against him. You know what's him, important? And the president was stacked against him, and he was a flawed candidate. You know what's important? 
is that the president's always right. <laughs> that is the takeaway here. But there's two things we should talk about before we, because I think I think it's a good segue. Which now we're talking the president's tweets to mention the other tweet from yesterday, uh, which I think has ha- actually will have some significant political ramifications. But we got to talk about Steve Bannon for a second, okay? Because this guy has really crossed from being staffer slash strategist slash uh, guru to trying to be a full-fledged political figure on his own. And actually, it's never a good transition, I have to say. We we, we both know this. We know, know a lot of people are very good at strategy, very good at polling, very good as campaign people, rarely make good candidates. Generally, from my point of view, is because you should never manage your own campaign. And when you believe you yourself as I and Steve Bannon has start believing his own I hate to say it, his own hype. I was going to say use a different word, but I don't want to use it here in the family channel. Uh, he started believing it, the stuff that he's that he's selling. And, you know, it's one thing if you're trying to sell it to another candidate to do everything like that. But the issue is that the issue is that he has kind of gone overboard with his zeal to unseat and upset the apple cart and take Republicans out of power. That he is, you know, really losing sight of what matters. What matters is good candidates, good campaigns, the very basics about politics. Ultimately leading to good government, right? And getting wow. being pragmatic. And ultimately I wish he cared about done. that. Well, this is what's so funny. And I, you know, it's funny because like you want to talk about all the things that, uh, that Steve Bannon has done. I don't know if you caught the rally a few nights ago where he was making fun of Joe Scarborough about where he went to school, right? And so... He's saying he couldn't go to schools where I went to schools, right? And I think it was Harvard and, and wherever. Joe Scarborough couldn't go to those schools, right? Essentially making fun of where Joe Scarborough went to school, which was the University of Alabama. I mean, he was in Alabama at a rally making fun of Joe Scarborough for not being able to go to the great schools that Steve Bannon went to. But instead, Joe Scarborough actually went to the University of Alabama. Make Steve Bannon made fun of, as I think we discussed last week, Mitt Romney. For not going to Vietnam when, of course, the president didn't go to Vietnam. So basically made fun of him for being a Mormon. And at the same time, of course, that the president is trying to convince Orrin Hatch to to not retire so, so Romney doesn't get the seat. And Bannon is out there criticizing Romney for being a Mormon, basically getting every single person in Utah... I mean, as, as as now said, after those comments, if Bannon didn't want Romney to be elected to the Senate, okay, the what was said by one strategist in Utah is that all Mitt Romney needs to do is walk into the Board of Elections, f- make a filing statement, and the election is over. And then he can start attend to say, right? I mean, if, if you don't want, I mean, you, you, he starts thinking about his own power here. The, the guy thinks, and, 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 you know, he's not winning, I mean, the bottom line is he's not winning. Can, can I say something? You and know, you're like, leading, and plus the fact you left, you're leaving. I mean, the guy won one race, basically. Okay, great. He had a unique candidate, unique set of circumstances. I think Donald Trump's the only person who could possibly fit that mold. We discussed this. There's only one Donald Trump. I think it's another takeaway from Alabama. There is only one. There isn't anybody else who could fill that, do it. And he, he does it masterfully to a certain degree. But at the same time, Steve Bannon's just to start, you, you know, 
do the nuts and bolts. There are laws of gravity in politics. Sometimes they can be broken, but they're not broken all the time. That's right. And I think, I, I, look, I think this is the end of it. And, I, and I'll tell you why, because, you know, how many more special elections are we going to have before, you know, the midterms in 2018? And, and quite frankly, you know, I think there's going to be the, Demo- the, the Republicans are going to have a hard time. Uh, they're going to have a hard time. And we thought, I think you and I said before that it's likely or that ch- chances are, right, the chances are in favor of the Democrats probably taking the House. We said there's no way they're taking the Senate. I think you and I will both agree tonight that there's actually a chance. We talked about it a few minutes ago. There's actually a chance. I think there's the a Democrats chance. I think there's the a House chance of both and right the now. Senate. And so, you know, you talk about what Steve Bannon's going to be able to do as things move forward. I think last night proved him to be ineffective in races like this. Yeah. I mean, the amazing thing is they, they, they turn around and say, well, we got to blame Mitch McConnell for not helping the main the, the establishment Republicans for not helping Roy Moore. They made it very clear they didn't want Roy Moore. It, it, where where did he have this delusion somehow that the Republicans out there, the mainstream Republicans, wanted Roy Moore? They didn't want him. And it was very clear that he should have dropped out of the race if he wanted a Republican to get elected. Mo, may, there were very few Republicans who were going to lose that race. Roy Moore was one of them. That's exactly right. And yeah, the fact that look, he came close, whatever, et cetera, I wasn't surprised. Of course, Roy Moore hasn't conceded, so we're still we're still officially <laughs> waiting for that. But nobody actually thinks he's going to win. But I think we should discuss. Um, I mean, if you're if you're Mitch McConnell or a lot of other Republicans, you're a lot less scared of Steve Bannon today than you were uh, beforehand. But let's talk about the president's tweet because it elevated our junior senator here from New York um, to I think rock star status. As the uh, you know you you could last week have could have said or might have said that there were going to be three presidential candidates on the Democratic side for 2020 coming out of New York, two uh, that I think are realistic, one that you know is is hopeful um, or thinks in his own mind that it's realistic, meaning Christian Gillibrand, the senator. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, the governor, and the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, who has still have these delusions of grandeur uh, that he's going to be president. The singling out by President Trump of Kristen Gillibrand, I think, elevates her to a whole new status now within the Democratic Party. And um, I think that one that, you know, very few can match right now as far as star power. And I think it's going to be a big boon for her politically, Phil. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Look, you know, it's funny. It wasn't too long ago that Newsday was doing a story about how, you know, how rare it is to see Kirsten Gillibrand in Long Island, right? And you're seeing that. I think there's been training. You don't, you don't need to see her anymore. Well, there's no, I'm saying there are no Democrats who need to see her because everybody knows her name. Everybody knows her now. Now that she has been, I, I can't even say the word, but shamed. But to her credit, I mean, look, shamed by the president, building her reputation in, in Washington. And, and so sure. So, so, you know, I've, I've said this on this show before, you know, it's very hard to sort of when you're in the Senate or, or you're in elected office to sort of focus on the state capital and focus on your on your district. It's complicated, especially when you're in Washington. You know, Chuck Schumer still manages to be at every yeshiva dinner and, and, and every uh, organization's event. Um, Kirsten sort of was building reputation in, in Washington. He, here's the thing. You just there's certain things we don't say, and I, I I'm so tired of right. saying this. Like, how many times can I say there are certain things that you and I are very careful? You know, we're on the radio show. We have listeners. We have to be respectful to to those listeners. There's certain things that you and I don't say on this show, right? 
There's certain things when you sit in the Oval Office, there's certain things you do not say. There's certain things you don't imply. And sometimes, by the way, as you and I both know, it's more than just sometimes the actions. It's the perception or the what could be perceived from those actions or sayings. And so you have to be extra, extra careful. The president's tweet uh, about Kirsten Gillibrand was over the top. And over the top, for even for a guy who many of his <laughs> tweets are already over the top. And what I, I, I will take this a step further, right? For Sarah Sanders... To stand up at the podium and defend it. And tell reporters and dare that say they have reporter, a dirty mind. Get your Always. mind out of the gutter. Yes. Really? Really? Like, let's remember who the president is. We're and actually the things there. He says, and all the locker room talk and all the things. And we have, the reporters have to get their mind out of the gutter. I think there are pretty reasonable people who will read this tweet against Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and, and realize what the president was trying to say. And quite frankly, to her credit. Kirsten Gillibrand stood up and said, I'm not taking it. I'm going to get up and I'm going to push back. Instead of cowering, she stood up. She went on on any news show or any talk show that would have her. She got up and she said, I'm not going to cower. I'm going to fight back and I'm, I'm going to stand up and, and be strong and push back. And I give her credit for that. I really do. See, I think it's, it's odd to me because the president dominates the news cycle and dominates the news like nobody ever has. Uh, I, you know, we, we can't even think back really to there's so much on a weekly basis on a daily basis so many news that he's making for through various, we can't even remember all of it but the thing about washington and now that he is you know it's not a it's not a campaign anymore you're actually in government is that there's a lot of other people who can make news especially when you make news about them and a lot of other elected officials who have access to media and can do it you know it's- and you know, he he has other. There there is that possibility that people are going to fight back against him. You know, it's fascinating because I think you and I have learned this uh, the hard way. Sometimes is that you don't mention your opponent because you don't want to give right. them the credibility, right? right. You don't want to give them the attention. Why do you think sometimes when there's candidates who are running so far ahead, they don't want to debate? When you debate, you're giving an audience to your opponent, right? Exactly. So you mention her name, and all of a sudden, you're giving her a platform to get up and speak. It, and- it just it, it makes no sense at all because it's it, you know once again punching down. I mean, the truth is, so what? It's almost juvenile. I thought, yeah, that Christian Joe Biden is out there trying to say, oh, she president should resign over. Just let it go. Who cares? Right. Look, I think the Democrats. You know, it really ma- it mattered very little that six Democratic senators said the president should resign. Who? cares well, i think what it's come to is that the democrats and certain senators have realized and members of the house have realized they can get under his skin here's how we get under his skin exactly and here's how we get him to implode and here's how we get him to make mistakes and here's how we get him off script um and here's how you know we we, we sort of create a problem for the white house because i mean look everybody is predicting and people are talking about how there's going to be a mass exodus come january from the white house you know, because again, you know, you saw Amarosa was uh, yesterday. Amarosa. There was claim that she was she was escorted out by Secret Service. Escorted out by Secret Service. Secret Service yesterday tweeted that you know, no, we had nothing to do yeah. with her exit. What I'm saying is, is that there's definitely people who are uncomfortable in the White House, and and this, by the way, we haven't even talked about the investigation. One would think it's a reality TV show, <laughs> but uh, I think we're. I want to just switch for a second because as we close out, uh, there is another stealth election going on, Phil. That only insiders know about but i know we like to talk about a little inside baseball here on the show which is the race for new york city council speaker it's a closed race that only members of the city council can vote for there are i think eight candidates out there all democrats looking to become the next speaker of the city council which is pretty amazing that there are eight out of 51 
Until that means that means every like third or whatever every every I'm sorry every uh, sixth member is running. Uh, so just to lay the foundation, there's 51 members, three Republicans, uh, 48 Democrats, and, and actually those four Republicans, my friend. There are four. Four, yes. Two from Queens. Two oh from yes. Staten oh yes. Yeah. Well, there's three Republicans, one Democrat who ran as a Republican. He's still caucusing with three Republicans. Okay. But way, so yeah. we'll, we'll, we we could talk about that on a different. Three show. and a half. Three and a half Republicans. Um, but that being said, there are eight candidates, and remember, this is I think what you said is sort of a, a stealth, sort of behind the scenes race, because at the end of the day. While there are debates going on and there's open public forums going on, only council members get to vote for who gets to be speaker, much like in Congress, right? Only the members of the House get to vote on who gets to be speaker. And so it doesn't matter what you or I think about who should be speaker of the New York City Council. It remembers what other council members think. And so interestingly enough, this is where I think this is where term limits and the end of term limits were born back in 2000. And eight, when there was talk of the 2009 speakers race, and all of a sudden, by the way, just a few weeks ago, there was talk of, hey, maybe we should we should think about term limits again, extending term limits for members of the city council. Speaker candidates are trying to speak to their colleagues in the city council, and so a lot of things have been said, but most of it happens behind the scenes. And uh, with so, who's your favorite? They're all my favorite. They're all your favorite. They're wow. all my favorite. I mean, look. Okay, so the, you got Mark Levine of the Jewish Caucus. You have Corey Johnson, also of Manhattan. Mark Levine, also of Manhattan. Donis Rodriguez of Upper Manhattan. Richie Torres for the Bronx. Corning, Donovan Richards. Donovan from, Richards. Jimmy Van Bramer from Queens. From Queens. Our very own. Uh, Robert Carnegie from Brooklyn. Right. Uh, Jumani Williams from Brooklyn. Jumani Williams from Brooklyn, who I went to college with. I'm very proud we went to Brooklyn College. Very together. proud. Um, but look, you know, I, I don't know. This is something I think is almost unpredictable. I mean, it's it's there's going to be deals cut. I sat. I, I had well, when did the deals get cut? It's got to happen all by January first. We only got a couple weeks left. It's only a couple weeks. Look, look, this is where it comes down to it. I uh, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, had the opportunity in the state assembly to to have uh, to to pick a new speaker. It is complicated. It is not as simple as people may think. Oh, just pick the best candidate. I mean, there's sort of a a, a lot of backroom dealings that go on about what what's going to happen or backroom what, dealings in politics it's, terrible it's awful but this is the way the system works and uh and I, I look i like the fact there are forums you get to hear what people's views are and, and hold them to it you hope um but i think only time will tell all right the, so no bets are going to happen this week we'll have to see hopefully yeah. well the picture the the smoke filled picture will uh become a little bit clearer in the coming weeks as you hear it here on the Malcolm Siegel network thanks for joining us this week on spin class Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder wishing you a good week and stay tuned for you in the city speaks with Allison Josephs.